and welcome to Chilenial Horrors Podcast, the podcast which looks back at Naughty's horror from remakes, J-horror, torture porn, zombies, vampires, werewolves, home invasion, and all kinds of horror genres. There's just so many to talk about in the Naughties, as we found out in the last week or so when we were thinking about planning ahead and realising that basically everything came out in the noughties and we're just going to have to deal with it. So this is the first episode proper where we're really going to start digging into the movies as opposed to our introduction where we just kind of got very excited about doing it all. We're going to start a bit before the noughties, we're going to start in 1999 to look at two movies which I think show the transition between what's happening at the end of the 90s and moving forward. At, at the end of the 90s, we're really looking at a, a big swathe of religious horror movies that are all about millennial panic and what's going to happen at the end of 1999. Is Satan going to rise? Is Y2K going to happen? Most of the horror films in that time, some of which actually came out in 2000, which I think was a big mistake. <laughs> I don't really know how they managed to miss the boat on that one. But uh, there's, a, there's a lot of movies where it's just religious horrors of various kinds. So you got Arnie in End of Days, uh, you got Stigmata, Bless the Child, Lost Souls, Resurrection, and there's just a bunch of them. And some of them are quite fun, and some of them are, most of them are pretty terrible, actually. Um, <laughs> you got a couple of really lovely creature features, uh, Lake Placid and Deep Blue Sea. And yeah, there's also Virus, which Jamie Lee Curtis regularly cites as the worst film that she's ever made. And there's like, there is like a lot of innovation as well. There's Blair Witch Project coming out in 1999, which would change a lot of things, but not for a little while. It's one of those things, I think, where Hollywood didn't really know what it was, and that's why you end up with a mm. sequel that just misses the point entirely. But yeah, there's also two big haunted house movies that were remakes, and we're going to start by looking at The Haunting, which came out in 1999, directed by Jan de Bont. A bit of background for it. It was a passion project for Steven Spielberg, who'd been trying to make a remake of The Haunting with Stephen King. I think he'd originally just wanted to make a haunted house movie with Stephen King, and they'd agreed that The Haunting was a really good way to go about it. Um, however, there were creative differences, and Stephen King ended up making Rose Red, the TV miniseries, which I actually really like, I think. I haven't watched it for a while. I may not like it as much now. <laughs> this is the whole, the whole thesis of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think Spielberg eventually decided that he wasn't going to direct it, uh, and Jan de Bont ended up directing it. And what happened was that Stephen King, uh, sorry, Stephen Spielberg ended up taking his name off it because he was so unhappy with it. And according to, I don't know how true this is, but according to the IMDb trivia, Jan de Bont was originally set to direct Minority Report for Steven Spielberg, and Spielberg was so unhappy with this that he just yeah decided to do Minority Report himself. I mean, I don't blame him. No, it's awful. <laughs> like it's. I think I rewatched it before you did. I rewatched it a couple of weeks ago. I watched it with my girlfriend, who I think hadn't seen it before and was quite up for a, like a daft, big budget haunted house movie. Yeah. And we both just sat there getting really, really bored. It's a really long film. It's like two hours, I think. And yeah, it's really long. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be so boring. I don't know. I'd, I had it in my head. I remembered kind of. I'd remembered the big CGI nonsense. I remembered mm -hmm. it being really stupid, um, <laughs> but I kind of like, in my head I thought, oh, maybe that means it's going to be entertaining in a bad way, mm. but it's not. I, I didn't find it that unentertaining, but 
it is bad. Um, I think for maybe the first third of the movie, I was sort of thinking, oh, maybe it's not as bad as everyone said. Maybe it's not as bad as I remember. Like, maybe this is going to be one of those weird movies where I'm the one who's going to come out defending it. Um, And then I kept watching (laughs) and it just got worse and worse. (laughs) <laughs> just so upsettingly bad and and um i can tell you exactly why as well it's because at the beginning it's still relatively um faithful to the shirley jackson story and then as soon as it starts going its own way it just becomes utter shit uh, yeah just definitely real bad 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 because yeah, at stuff. the start the characters all kind they all match generally what's in the book kind of yeah sort of yeah i mean it's yeah there's some interesting updates but but sort of generally they match what they should yeah. be and like the idea of Le- the the plot of the remake is that Liam Neeson is uh, a professor who wants to do a fear study, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like they do. I love that that they even have a guy come in and go, "There's no ethical way <laughs> to do this," and he's like, "Ah, no, do it anyway." Come on, let me do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> His whole argument is like, "Yeah, but I wanna." <laughs> yeah, I just said like, "Oh, but you know, you wouldn't." Is it like, "Oh, you don't tell the rats that they're in a maze." Yeah, and then like a few minutes later, they have uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones as Theo, I think, say, it's, we're, we're like rats in the world. <laughs> like, oh, I see what you did there, but I wish I didn't. <laughs> They're all insomniacs, aren't they? So that's the... Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really mean anything in the film. They're just... No. It's just a reason to have Owen Wilson wandering a house at night. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I recently heard someone on another podcast talk about this and that, that scene where he runs into Liam Neeson at night he takes such a long time to recover from a minor yeah. scare <laughs> it goes on for ages <laughs> ages he's like oh oh man oh oh you don't do that you don't do that to someone <laughs> <laughs> for so long but um, um, just briefly to go back to what you were saying so in the original the point is that they're trying to prove the existence of the, the supernatural right of the paranormal mm. that they're supposed to be psychics because they want to contact whatever's in the house but in this one instead of it being uh, an investigation into the supernatural it's an investigation to fear which i sort of thought was an interesting update because it maybe reflects i mean attitudes of the time to the supernatural i guess that just it wouldn't have been credible that they were doing um an experiment on on ghosts it had to be we're just going to do it on fear so it's it's he's trying he once they get into the house, he tries to manipulate them into thinking that there are ghosts, but he never thinks that there are, obviously, turns out. Yeah, he doesn't really buy it until the giant statue in the greenhouse reaches up and grabs <laughs> him and pulls him underwater for a bit. Which is wonderful. But also, like, there's not there's not much of a... Like, they don't sort of react to discovering that, that ghosts are real and the supernatural no. is real and trying to kill them. They just kind of go from, oh, Nell's crazy, to, like oh well let's run away like there's not yeah they just sort of don't seem to deal with it it's very odd yeah I think that probably that must be because it's so long so there is a huge <laughs> amount of the film that's just <laughs> Nell seeing ghosts because Nell sees ghosts pretty quickly mm-hmm. and then everyone just blaming her for stuff that's going wrong yeah and like poor Lily Taylor she really <laughs> gives it her best and she's such a good actress but like, I, oh. I, I think that's that's the thing that I think we'll talk about more but um the, sort of one of the first things you notice about this film is the cast is insane. Mm. You've got Lily Taylor, you've got Catherine Cedar Jones, you've got Owen Wilson, you've got um, Liam Neeson. It's just, it's mad. He's just like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Every, everybody and in Virginia this film Madsen's is in it for like four seconds. The reason why I think it's probably boring is that it's not scary. Ever. No, there's not a single scare it's in really it. It's really odd because the copy, the DVD copy that I have has some, uh, I think 
think it's a cosmopolitan quote on the cover that says the special effects will scare you or something <laughs> and you're like yeah because nothing else is going to like the script is not going to they've just not staged their scares properly like they, there's nothing creepy they don't they're just I don't know they're just, there's just nothing scary it's just like oh CGI monsters but yeah. they're just somehow not frightening they're really not and I think yeah, the over-reliance mm. on CGI is really terrible. And it's so yeah. weird because the house is amazing. Like, cause apparently they built it in the, the Spruce Goose hangar because it was too big. So they actually built everything? Uh, I don't know if they built, like, the whole house inside, but I think the, the those, like, ridiculously high ceilings and massive rooms. Yeah, it was too it was too big to build on a soundstage. So they had to build it in an aircraft hangar. Yeah, like, it's gorgeous, though. I was just watching it going, yeah. fuck, like, horror films don't look like that anymore. And, no, and no. in some ways that's good, but, like... The, in, just the amount of detail and, and money that they've poured into that set it's just amazing yeah it's nice I think we'll kind of go into this a bit with House on Haunted Hill but it's, it's nice that it's one of those films where you see how massive the mm. house is and it does feel like they actually mm. explore it it's not like they just walk into the entryway and the, the, the main hallway and go like oh wow this house and then they're in the same room <laughs> for the rest of the film yeah. like they do actually get there's lots of there's like a there's that corridor with the mm. books uh, stepping stones, the, the kind of the water corridor. There's the scary merry-go-round room. Yeah, I don't think that was in the book. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, and obviously, there's the giant lion's head uh, chimney flue thing. I don't know. There, there's, there's never a good explanation for that. <laughs> he says it opens the chimney, and you're like, but yeah. why is it a giant <laughs> lethal lion though? That's <laughs> that's how you had to open your chimneys in the old days. <laughs> And like, and like the fact that someone gets got with that thing, um, it's just bizarre. I mean, that's a spectacular moment. But yeah, it is, it is great. But he's also <laughs> the only one who gets got as well. I forgot that that's. Well, Nell kind of gets got. Nell does get got, but right at the end. And <laughs> the kind of cannon fodder help assistants who he says come back later, and they never yeah. do. <laughs> um, once she's been pinged with a piano wire to the face. That's <laughs> so weird. It's such a, a odd thing to everything about it it seems like an odd thing to add like like at the very beginning they are doing um you know very 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 Shirley Jacksony like they even put um lines from the book in there so when they meet Mrs Dudley and she's going no one from the town will come up here in the dark Mm. (laughs) and all that stuff in the night in the dark if you scream no one will hear you which is really nice. I was really enjoying that bit. And then, like, when Nell takes the piss out of her and, like, repeats mm. it, that's that's really nice. And even, even Nell telling Theo about uh, her little apartment that isn't real, like, all of that's really solid. And then mm. it just, just goes mad. It's just like, oh, well, uh, ghost children and um, there's an old book and a merry-go-round. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck happened to this? So later, when they try and do the whose hand was I holding scare, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that doesn't like, work at all. You weren't holding anyone's hand. What yeah. are you talking about? This room is huge. You're nowhere... Yeah, it's like on the other side of it. Nell is obviously the big failure in terms of the adaptation. She's just so boring and wet and uh, self-sacrificing. That whole nonsense about saving the children. Just... Yeah. Well, that's weird because what's kind of scary about the book is how it... it draw... I mean, I, I should be talking about the original film adaptation of it, I guess, because we're talking remakes, but, like, what's scary about it to me in the book is how the house kind of lures her in until mm. the very final moment right before she dies where she's like, hang on, what am I doing? And that's yeah, just yeah, exactly. horrifying. Whereas in this one, she just starts rambling. And also she's got that really elaborate ancient necklace. That, like, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> where she suddenly realises that she's, like, the granddaughter and you're like, no. <laughs> I think it feeds into um, something that's become much 
worse in horror over the years is this and, and not just in horror but is this need to constantly explain everything mm. to kind of have origin stories and have prequels and like constantly go back and explain things that never needed explaining yeah it's just a haunted house it's fucking scary it doesn't need to be her relatives it doesn't you know there's no there's no need why did the house call out to her because it did because she was vulnerable because she was susceptible to it yeah and yeah, because it's, it's the house, it, it, Liam Neeson never called her, did he? It was always like, oh yeah, the house like did it. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, comes uh, into House on Haunted Hill as well, but in a much more fun way, where it's sort of like, oh yeah, the house does that, it reaches out and grabs people. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of hard to disentangle the two, isn't it? I think that's kind of always been a problem with those two films, that the titles are so similar, that mm. the original title for The Haunting is obviously The Haunting of Hill House. Um, and then, yeah, then you get hell house thrown in there but like (laughs) I feel like there's this tendency to kind of mash them together the fact that those two remakes came out in the same year is weird yeah it's nuts I did think apparently it was supposed to be called The Haunting of Hill House this yeah but um, (laughs) because I think they had the rights to the book but not the film oh okay that's Um, interesting I mean they didn't have I mean they could have just changed a little bit more and it would have been a completely different they could have changed characters names basically yeah and it would have been a completely different story and no one would have had to worry about it yeah it's just so yeah long and tedious and (laughs) and i think yeah kind of talking to yeah talking to someone who hadn't seen it about kind of what it's supposed to be doing as well like oh no Mm. like she is like in in the source material she's way more interesting now and like it's there's so much more like subtext to all of it yeah and it's um just really just underwhelming I think it's the bit you know when the house is really actively trapping them towards the end mm. and they're trying to break through the windows with chairs yeah. and they just have like the chairs getting stuck to the windows oh, and they're just so like ah! stupid it's so stupid isn't it <laughs> I think yeah this is something I like about uh, House on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts which we're going to talk about a bit as well but like both those films have very solid the house is locked you can't get out mm. How, and the haunting just sort of like oh yeah like he doesn't want us to leave <laughs> they just don't really um i think i think partly the the problem with the haunting as a property um is that the book is so much from nell's perspective that yeah as soon as you're not in nell's head it's harder to get a lot of that stuff across i mean mm. lily taylor has a go but she is lumbered with this hideous backstory so yeah i just felt really bad for her i think and it does seem obviously like a kind of a bit unusual in her career because this is a huge lead in a big Hollywood movie and she's credited as and Lily Taylor, which is Yeah, weird. wow. I guess because everyone else was a bigger name and Maybe. she's the main character. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that she had a go in much better horror movies <laughs> kind of later on. But I mean, yeah, did this did this movie sort of, yeah. make money? Was it a success at the time? It made I think I just looked I think it made hundred and eighty million worldwide, okay. which is yeah. I think yeah, it made its money back, but I think the it got a lot of Razzie nominations and horrible <laughs> reviews. Yeah. Um, so it's it's always been you know everybody's always known that this film is bad. It's 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 interesting because like we're, we're saying perceptions of things change over time. So things that we might have thought were shit when we were teenagers, we might come round on. Um, but this is not one of them. This is one where we were like thought it was shit at the time. Turns out it is. Yeah, pretty much. I think that was um, yeah my big takeaway was oh it's actually not even fun um, <laughs> <laughs> disappointing oh. i was trying to find like interviews with people as well um like recent ones where you know someone might have asked a question at the end of the interview like oh yeah like do you remember anything about doing the haunting mm. and 
No, there's no. <laughs> the only ones I found were a couple of interviews with Yander Bont because I think the it came out on Blu-ray in America fairly recently. He did that thing where it's sort of like, oh yeah, now people like it a lot more. So I don't think they do. I don't I think don't they do think at all. I think, I think if anything, people are angrier now that there's yeah, Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. I think there are a lot of problems with trying to adapt that story if you want it to come across as Shirley Jackson intended. I think it's tricky. I, I think the the 60s version is the closest and, and everyone else should probably just pack up and go home. Yeah, the 60s one's just so good. Um, it is so good. It's just, yeah, everything about that one works so well. So beautifully shot, so kind of well well written and incredible performances. So good. Unlike this one, which was bad <laughs> and very expensive and featuring lots of really shoddy CGI. Yeah, I mean, at least at least you can kind of see where the money went in that house. It is amazing. I do love it. I do love those crazy windows that kind of CGI turn into big scary eyes, but they yeah, look amazing. I think amazing. that was the most nostalgic bit for me. It was like, oh, okay, someone spent a lot of money on this um, and you can really see it. Yeah. yeah, I guess that kind of like leads us into House on Haunted Hill, which cost I think about twenty million dollars uh, and holds up way way better. I think, in my opinion, anyway. I don't know how Sarah feels about it. <laughs> I did think it held up better. So that's that's what like a quarter of the budget of yeah the haunting. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so it could have had four House on Haunted Hills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so tell me about House on Haunted Hill. Why how like why did this happen at this time? Why did they make this one? Well, it was the first film made by uh, Dark Castle Entertainment, which is the production company founded by Robert Zemeckis, Joel Silver and Gilbert Adler, which was a production company founded pretty much for the express purpose of remaking William Castle movies uh, and updating them for modern audience. Hence Dark Castle, yeah. Hence Dark Castle. And yeah, obviously, so William Castle movies are 1950s generally, I think, into the 60s, and big gimmick-driven, fun sort of like big on taglines and mm. jolts of terror and yeah very gimmicky fun stuff uh, things like skeletons <laughs> flying through the cinema 3d glasses uh, buzzers hidden in cinema seats uh, <laughs> and house and Hill is i think it seems like a really sensible one to do first just because it's a remake of a vincent price movie and so the story for the remake is that uh jeffrey rush is a <laughs> theme park Magnet. It seems to be like someone who's yeah. made all his money with theme parks and big scares. And it's his wife's birthday and they have a, obviously a very bitter, horrible relationship. And he, she decides that she wants to have it in um, Hill House. Haunt, Hill House? Is it? No, it's not called Hill House, is it? Haunted Hill. Oh, yeah, I don't know, actually. Now I'm like doubting myself. It's a house on know. Haunted Hill. It's a house on Haunted Hill, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what it's actually called. It can't be Hill House. They surely would have got slapped the trademark thing for that. I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It is a, a very odd-looking house in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's a yeah. So it's a former asylum where things went horribly wrong, and all the inmates broke out and murdered the horrible doctor who was performing a lot of unnecessary surgery on his patients. And it's obviously full of ghosts. And they invite a bunch of randoms with the promise of a million dollars if they survive the night. And everything wakes up, and they get locked in, and <laughs> spookiness and murder ensue. And yeah, it's one that I remember very fondly from being a teenager. I think I remember going and buying the DVD from Game when I wasn't 18 and wondering if I was going to get away with buying it, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I think I like, I like it a lot because I think it's it's fun. Like it, I think I appreciate more the more, like, as time goes on, that it does try and keep that kind of campy tone quite a lot. Mm, yeah. It's, it's aware of how silly it is. Even when it's trying to be kind of quite nasty and gory. If you had asked me before I rewatched it, I would have told you I didn't remember anything about it. And then as soon as it started, I was like, 
it's all coming back. <laughs> I remember <laughs> everything about this film. Every scene is familiar. Everything is, yeah. Like the, the big scare with the video camera where she can see the ghosts through yeah. the camera and then, but not in reality and she's kind of following the camera. That's, that really shit me up at the time and, and I still think it's a nicely done scare now. Yeah, definitely. I think I remember like just the, I think I talked, yeah, like we were talking about with The Haunting, I really have a soft spot for things like people knowing that they're about to get trapped somewhere and then it mm-hmm. happens. So there's um, the character of Pritchett, who's the descendant of the guys who owned it. Or the, yeah, he's Vanicutt's, uh, Dr. Vanicutt's uh, great-grandson or something, but uh, who was also a character in the original. But he's the one who's telling them about how horrible the house is and he just wants to get out before it wakes up and seals itself shut. And it happens, there's lots of good kind of slamming metal doors and stuff. Uh, lots of running around trying to get out in time. Yeah, I think I remember a lot of the, yeah, kind of big jump scares like that. And I remember the security, uh, like the security guy turning around. And he's had his mm-hmm. face taken off. Yeah, that's a good one. And the like vat of whatever the hell it's supposed <laughs> to be that they all just seem to get sucked into. Um, they keep falling into blood. Yeah, they're yeah. It's <laughs> like oh, there's just a the giant vat of blood and the um the machine that's supposed to drive you. Supposed to make a madman sane or a sane man mad <laughs> thing. Yeah, yeah, that's really What fun. would drive a sane man mad would drive a madman sane. Apparently, except it really doesn't. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot I remembered about it, but at the same time, watching it now, like things like um, Jeffrey Rush, like little Vincent Price impression, like that had mm. completely gone over my head in the 90s. <laughs> in fact, he doesn't really, he doesn't do enough of a Vincent Price impression for me. I wanted him to do more. He's got the little pencil moustache. But for a lot of it, he doesn't really do it. There's, I think, one line where I was suddenly like, oh, oh, he did, he kind of did it. He did the voice. <laughs> the rest of it, nah. It definitely helps that he's having so much fun. Both House on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts have very good actors, like, really enjoying themselves. 13 Ghosts has F. Murray Abraham as the villain. And, uh, yeah, this has Jeffrey Rush and Famke Janssen yeah. as well, who's kind of matching She's him every awesome. step. She's, She's so, so good. great. And the rest of them kind of... Uh, I don't get to have as much yeah. fun as those two, but they basically just just kind of spit barbs at each other throughout the whole film and do a lot of really strong. Yeah, I wanted work. more of them and just less of the the sort of goody goodies being like, oh, it's like no, give us just this villainous thing where they're just constantly trying to kill each other through bizarre means, and because because of that, because they're both being like super murdery, they don't realise until too late that there's actually something else going on, that there's actually like something supernatural. But they do, I do think it takes them quite a long time to worry about the fact that these metal shutters have all slammed down and they don't know how to open them. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have any phone reception or any phone lines. And you're like, guys, even if there's not anything supernatural, you're still in trouble. <laughs> I guess it's, that, it's the idea that everyone thinks that someone's yeah. doing it. So they just assume that it's, it's yeah, Jeffrey Rush's character, Price, um, <laughs> trying to scare them. And then, yeah, Price assumes that it's Evelyn, his, yeah, his wife, played by Famke Janssen. Uh, and yeah, there's obviously I like that they keep the um, the whole murder plot because mm. I'd forgotten that Peter Gallagher was in it from the OC. Oh um, yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, there he is. <laughs> and then he so he, he's really boring for about an hour, and then gets to have a bit of fun when he try, turns Jeffrey Rush into the um, into the madness machine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, that's fun. It's such a it's such an odd thing. Like, do you kind of wonder what like what was going on in this in this movie? Like, I don't know the whole. Um, sort of insane asylum as a place of great evil is interesting because I guess in older horror movies, you know, there is this portrayal of uh, insane people as super dangerous and evil and nasty, um, which is obviously uh, not ideal. (laughs) 
not no not no, good at all not good, yeah. not good at all um <laughs> whereas i guess this you know the 90s were not much more enlightened but it is starting to turn that trope on its head a little bit because here it's the the nasty doctor who's yeah dr vanneker played by jeffrey combs yes oh he's slightly wasted i think i don't think he um i don't know if they needed him <laughs> I don't think he says anything, does he? No, I don't think or he so. might—he kind of might ask for a scalpel because, yeah, the I remember the prologue bit where, yeah, he's cutting a person open for no good reason, and then all the inmates attack him, and someone gets stabbed through the neck with a bunch of pencils. I remember that one being. Yeah, there's a post-credit scene. Did you know that? Because I yes, did not yeah. know that, and I've never seen it before. <laughs> this was the first time. But yeah, so you do have yeah Jeffrey Combs reanimator occasionally popping up with a big grin and kind of yeah, <laughs> white face paint. Having um, a lovely time. Yeah, and it, it, it's you're right. There, there is just a lot going on. I think from the cast is quite odd. Like yeah, Academy Award winner Jeffrey Rush and Famke Janssen and uh, Chris Kattan from Saturday Night Live. Uh, it's like definitely R-rated. They really went through all the gore and nudity and all that. Yeah, um, that window smashing. That's fun. Yeah, the window, the window smash at the, the start with the big yeah stained glass window. Yeah. yeah, that was supposed to be a representation of madness or something that smashes straight away, and then Jeffrey Rush pops out and is like ha ha. It's got a lot of stuff that I really like about it. I think one thing that I noticed watching it again now is it's one of those horror films where obviously, like we were talking about with The Haunting, where a lot of effort goes into showing off the location at the start mm. and making it look really great. And then it does definitely settle into corridors and yes. dark rooms. Yeah, the basement, just, just trudging around in like nondescript, dirty rooms. <laughs> they do, yeah, they keep going back to the basement and they say like we shouldn't go in the basement. <laughs> There's always like a breaker or something they need to find. Or like, oh, someone's gotten back downstairs. Uh, oh, what's this room? Oh, it's another dark room with one thing in it. <laughs> this is the tank room. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I got a sense of how the house was laid out. And that no. is a problem in a lot of haunted house movies, I think. Where you just sort of don't really know what there is or where it is or, or why you should be scared of it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like such a... I love the design of the house from the outside where it's this tall... Mm weird thing in a, inside of a cliff yeah and they kind of the walk up to the house is probably the most that that is actually depicted in the film they have to go up a bit of a hill to get yes. to it. <laughs> just so you know it's on a hill yeah <laughs> the hill's haunted by the way but yeah it was i think it was very successful for dark castle I think, you know it wasn't like a huge hit but it was definitely it, it made its money back comfortably and yeah, like I remember the trailers and stuff. I remember like the poster was cool. There's like you know fun taglines like "Are you dying to get rich?" and stuff. Well, I guess that's that's uh, sort of a theme in both of them is that there are these big, amazing houses, but they're haunted, so don't want them too much. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what happens in Thirteen Ghosts, which is a great segue. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Shalhoub's family. Tony Shalhoub is a widower. Uh, and is struggling to support his family and suddenly inherits a incredible glass house that's clockwork from his old uncle Cyrus, played by F. Murray Abraham, who it turns out was a ghost hunter and had been building a glass prison that was a clockwork for 12 legendary ghosts uh, and needs the 13th ghost, which is why he's left it to his poor nephew Tony Shalhoub. Um, but yeah, to say it's it's really I watched it again very recently, and it's the exact same setup as, as House on Haunted Hill in so many ways. Where they go in the house, the clap, the house wakes up. There are metal shutters that slam down, <laughs> and there's even a comic relief who knows everything. And this one is played by Matthew Lillard. He's a psychic. He used to work with uh, Cyrus, the villain, who tells them to get out, and they don't get out in time. And then he spends the rest of the film telling them about all the ghosts and the house history. And otherwise, you wouldn't know. It's <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it, it staggered me that it was so close. And they obviously just found a formula that worked and stuck to it pretty rigidly. But yeah, I don't know what your thoughts on I, that. I, I really hate that film. <laughs> I don't know why. I think, I think, well, actually, my theory is because I have no nostalgic attachment to it. Like, I didn't see it at the time. So mm. just watching it now, like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> but yeah, and, and also I like the William Castle uh, 13 Ghosts much more. The, the whole... Um, a thing with the multi- the different coloured glasses that are like 3D glasses that you can look through one lens and you can see the ghosts and you look through the other and you mm. don't see them and the fact that like one of the ghosts is a lion and a lion tamer and, <laughs> and it's just oh, it's just a, just a like wacky comedy really more than anything it's not scary at all but um, yeah I think it's it is very much drawing on the the haunting and the the house on haunted hill. God, that's such a tongue twister. Um, <laughs> uh, sort of thing where it's just like more is more. Just just chuck in more special effects, more weird ghosts. Have more stuff pop up and scream at you, and that will be scary. Um, kind of at the expense of any atmosphere, I think. Yeah, I think that's definitely a problem with. I I must yeah, I've never seen the original. Oh, it's really um, fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely want to watch it now. Yeah, the remake is a lot. It's the House on Hill was directed by William Malone, who had, yeah, I think, a lot more horror experience. Mm. He made some kind of creature features in the 80s, and um, I think that House on Hill is probably his best-known movie. I'm probably very wrong about that, so I probably used William Malone. But yeah, this was directed by a guy called Steve Beck, who had gone to direct Ghost Ship for um, Dark Castle immediately after 13 Ghosts. But yeah, it's one where the set design is incredible. Mm. Whoever, yeah, the, the team that put together this amazing glass house full of sliding doors and... Um, Obviously, because it's an early noughties film, someone gets cut in half by one of the glass doors. <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah. He's backing away from a ghost and just like comes down and yeah, does his obligatory slide down showing his brain behind. It's great. Um, <laughs> the, the production design is incredible and uh, the makeup, the, I think it's KNB who did the, uh, the ghosts, they look incredible. They look so good. And I love that there's more story to the ghosts really than any other story in the whole rest of the film and none of it's really in the film very much i remember watching that there's a little bonus feature on the dvd where it goes into backstories for all of the ghosts and it's just like why is none of this in the film they, they name them all i think one of them gets his backstory explained but i've got them written down here so there's the firstborn son the torso the bound woman the withered lover the torn prince the angry princess the pilgrimess the great child and the dire mother the hammer the jackal and the juggernaut and yeah, they all look great. They've all got really distinctive designs. The makeup's brilliant. Because I've got a real weakness for people running down corridors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of... <laughs> it's, it, there's a lot of that. And a lot of Matthew Lillard talking about, you know, how screwed they uh, are. And, I, I do love uh, some Matthew Lillard. He's, he's actually... I think I'd remembered him being quite annoying as a teenager. And he's actually... Compared to... Chris Kattan in House of Taunted Hill, he's a bit more mm. measured. He's pretty, he's almost exactly on the same energy level, but slightly toned down, I think. But yeah, they have the glasses, that, that's the nod to the gimmick where they all wear like, they look a bit like Oakley's, but yeah. clear, like glasses um, that help them see the ghosts. And that's kind of, there's not really much to it. Like everyone's kind of having fun, apart from Tony Shalhoub looks quite angrier to be there. It doesn't really fit with anything else in his career, like a lead character in a big horror movie. I just, well, like, like Lily Taylor, I guess. But it just, it's just yeah. odd how none of these films, like all of these films are asking you to be afraid of ghosts, but none of them really explain why. Like, I don't know, there's this, just the story doesn't work. Like, it's, it just doesn't, like they just, rely, I know the makeup's like 
uh, technically good, but like it just doesn't do enough. Like it doesn't. That's not. It's not a substitute for storytelling. <laughs> like I think you no, know, it, a ghost fair. could just be a person standing there, but who's dead. But like you could do just so much more with atmosphere and dread that you can't do with mm. just um, look at our special effects, look at our CGI. In The Haunting, like, there's some stuff that I was like, you know what, this CGI isn't as bad as I remembered. But then they just rely on it so much to just mm. throw in a scare. Like you said, the, the one in the greenhouse when the, the um, thing in the pool just <laughs> suddenly lifts its hand up and grabs him. But, like, something can be scary just from really subtly moving or something when you just... Yeah. yeah, I guess I want more of that kind of feeling of being unsettled rather than just, like, a crash-bang CG thing, which is such a obvious thing to say but it's just so striking that there's just nothing there's no character really either there's, there's just yeah they're just hollow i think yeah both of those i think definitely 13 ghosts i think house and haunted hill does a bit as well the threat of the ghosts is that like they can grab you and kill you like the 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 problem with the ghosts in 13 ghosts is that if, if yeah if they catch up to you they can basically hurt you in exactly the same way that a living yeah. person would the only thing is that you can't see them unless you wear these special glasses um, and all you can do is and Beth Davitz throws up with I think what is it um, she's got some special flares that she throws at them they mm. run away <laughs> lovely to see M. Beth Davitz always but like, yeah that's a bit of a, a pointless character but yeah I think it's so like the bigger ghosts are scarier in 13 Ghosts because they can pick you up and break <laughs> you against the door frame yeah which is not what um, should be scary about a ghost no. <laughs> I mean so I, I, you know I'm um, just sitting here like a 18th uh, 19th century novelist or something but like that the scary thing shouldn't be that <laughs> it's, it's gonna bite you it should be that it's you know it's it shouldn't be there it's uncanny it's like it's it's against the laws of nature yeah i mean i've gone full victorian now <laughs> but yeah the, the thing that's scary in the haunting is that is 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 nell's desire to kind of um merge with the house to give up her her will to kind of just uh, to die basically um and and then it's not just that the house is going to like pick her up and smash her it's that she's going to become so kind of entranced and hypnotized by it that she just gives over her herself to it hmm. yeah it was in the haunting at the end of the, the haunting remake it's that she needs to trick the giant ghost who's massive now uh into standing in front of a door frame that's got something written on it that's a trick if you stand here you'll be judged so she gets him to stand there and then he's judged and he's pulled into the door frame by angry ghost angels I mean the thing that I I sort of liked the very first time you see the portrait of Hugh Crane the evil baddie um, and there's that kind of like zoom in and his his face kind of becomes a skull and the very first time you see that Mm. I was like oh that's sort of nice I mean I wish you hadn't been so obvious about it but like yeah the more it goes (laughs) on and then he just turns into this like thing that can come out of the painting and grab you it's just ridiculous yeah because he starts off being like the painting ghostbusters too and then but then yeah he just he's just this huge ghost at the end and i think at least the 13 ghosts the ghosts feel like specific characters and then obviously there is the naked ghost that's i think the, the angry princess that's basically there to be <laughs> in a long bathroom scene where she's standing naked behind Shannon elizabeth as she's washing her hair like, this goes on for much longer I mean, than i remember <laughs> I'm gonna blame Stephen King for all of that naked lady in the bathroom ghost nonsense. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess the thing—the thing that all of them have in common is that they're not. I guess they're aiming to be a very specific kind of horror, which is just 
uh, we're going to throw lots of money at the effects. Mm. And I don't know, it's, it's almost as if they don't trust you to have an imagination. They don't trust you to be afraid of things, of ideas. They feel like they need to just th- splash this money about and then you'll be scared and that's that's fun. So I, I, I don't know whether it's like a generational thing or it's or what it is. I mean, it, although these things made money, I feel like we quite quickly... Um, moved on from them and just didn't want them anymore yeah I think House on Haunted Hill had slightly better reviews than 13 Ghosts but 13 Ghosts mm. reviews were awful um, <laughs> as they should be I mean of the three I would take House on Haunted Hill every time but yes yeah, yeah and I think watching 13 Ghosts I think a lot of it I like for nostalgia reasons and I like the design I think I've got a lot of like I said corridors things slamming shut people knowing that they should leave yeah they've all, they've all got corridors <laughs> But yeah, there is that thing with the flashy editing, which I think was definitely a big trope mm. at the time, where if they couldn't really burn atmosphere, they'd just have a lot of really loud cuts and like bright, like bright kind of flashes of light. As something walks down a corridor, there's a lot of that in 13 Ghosts, where like a ghost kind of escapes from one of their little cages and starts walking down the corridor. Instead of like a slow build, it's just sort of cut, 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 cut. And yeah, obviously a lot of reviews hate that because it is, it's, it's annoying. And I can imagine watching it in the cinema would have definitely given me a headache, but it's yeah like you said there's no real trust that it will scare you i think it's it's like yeah it's definitely going for that big showy look at our effects look at our editing yeah yeah (laughs) i I wonder what that is like is it just a kind of post jurassic park kind of love of cg is it um so in the 90s everybody had got got over it like we all thought we were too clever for ghosts so just a normal ghost wasn't going to scare us unless it screamed and looked hideous or I don't know what it was there's 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 enough about these films that's like common to all of them that it must mean something yeah it's interesting it does feel like like you said yeah that obsession with CGI definitely feels like it's a big part of it like oh if we're Mm. doing like a big movie it needs to have big effects Mm -hmm. and it's interesting I guess that at the same time these movies coming out I think the ring kind of was happening in Japan like obviously this kind of yeah obviously the other side of the world but this other (laughs) kind of uh horror movie like for ghost stories specifically mm. um and i think yeah i don't think we can really include blair witch in this but yeah kind mm. of a different kind of much lower key atmosphere atmosphere driven horror movies starting for ghost stories yeah whereas yeah these movies are all like no forget atmosphere like <laughs> just just go loud go big they're just they're so glossy and so kind of brash but it does seem weird now from you know 2020 perspective to think of a, a horror movie having that much money I guess maybe maybe something like It I don't know how much they spent on that but that feels like it was a lot It I think was the first one was about 30 million I think maybe yeah, a bit more okay. and then the second one was more expensive but so these movies I think 13 Ghosts was definitely a big jump in budget House on Haunted Hill was 19 and 13 Ghosts obviously because the, the success of House on Haunted Hill went up to 40 million uh, 42 million dollar budget fucking hell and you can kind of you, again, like you can see where it went. Like it's all in the big house, and it's all on the effects. Mm. But uh, yeah, like, that seems mad now, especially given that that would be like fifty million, I'm guessing, fifty to sixty. Yeah, we're getting those kind of budgets for horror movies that they know will do well, like a Conjuring sequel, um, specifically a Conjuring sequel, not a spin-off, because mm. those movies are mm. cheap as shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, James Wan gets the big budget still. Um, or like yeah, it where they know that. It's got a scary clown in it, so people will go. Uh, but yeah, the idea of like, oh, we're remaking a Vincent Price movie from the 50s. 
Let's toss some money in. I don't think anybody would give you like 80 million now. You get like a Blumhouse budget of under 10. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting though, actually. Having said that, like, I do think there are similarities between these kind of movies and the Conjuring Mm. sequels. And yeah, it, like, they feel like the same thing to me in that they're very flashy with their effects and they have Hollywood names in them and they have too much money and they're absolute shit. (laughs) (laughs) Not to put too fine a point on it. As much as I love it, Chapter Two, it's definitely a movie that has probably more money than it should. But yeah, you're right. I think there's definitely that feeling of, yeah, yeah, the lack of confidence and I'm trying to think of the right phrase, but sort of that at, at its core that the project is good, that it will work. That they're like, oh, we need mm, to do all of this, mm. otherwise it will be terrible. Or, or it's not even that. It's more that the the, the emphasis is on that. Like that was the, that seems like the selling point. Like, hey, we can have all these ghosts 30. that all look like this. Like, that's what's going to make this film good. Yeah, <laughs> specifically. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, I think looking at the, the next film we're going to be talking about, we're just going to drip, drop into Ghost Ship very quickly because um, it's not really a remake. It just has a same title as a movie. But uh, I've got a lot of time for it, and I think a lot of people do because of its amazing opening sequence, which is really beautifully done. Yeah. It's if you haven't seen Ghost Ship, it starts with fancy cruise ship I think in it near Italy in the 1960s where an entire deck full of people get bisected by a stray wire it just goes across <laughs> everyone and it goes on for so much longer than I remembered it after I remember just being a quick sort of quick cut and the captain falls in half on top of little Emily Browning but no there's loads of like people just struggling <laughs> around like there's a, there's a lot of people looking confused like trousers fall down it's all it's about five oh. minutes there was definitely a time when razor wire was like the people thing. loved razor wire and slamming doors and lasers. People just wanted everyone cut into little pieces. Yeah, cut people up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like in, in the same way that like the the nineteen ninety nine ones, it feels like broken glass was the thing. Yeah. Like there's just lots of exploding glass, and then it's like, oh, razor wire, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's like it's just, you've just figured out how to do that effect. Yeah, someone's done it well. Like, we can do that again for cheaper. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Ghost Ship, like the others, like the other Dark Castle remakes, has a pretty impressive cast. It's got Gabriel Byrne, Juliana Margulies, Carl, a young Carl Urban's in it. It's got the extremely noughties duo of Ron Eldard and Desmond Harrington. But it's, again, it's very impressive in terms of the craft, like, not the craft as a whole. The production design's incredible. Mm. Um, it's a really beautiful ship, and there's lots of nice kind of switching between this kind of rotting ghost ship and the beautiful glossy 1960s thing it was but yet it is kind of a bit of a mess and it's pretty boring uh they just get they're they're a salvage crew that are lured into this kind of expedition to find this uh missing legendary missing ship and they get there and obviously haunted and they can't get off because it's a ship in the middle of the ocean so there's not as many (laughs) slamming doors as i'd like i'd like more slamming doors and ghost ship not not enough corridors there are there are quite a few corridors there's a lot of corridors actually (laughs) those sets have already been built but there's no metal shutters or are there metal shutters they probably don't need them they just have the sea there is just the sea yeah I think that's the assumption that they can't leave because of (laughs) the water (laughs) (laughs) which is is, is less fun for me as a viewer I I want yeah I want want people slamming against metal doors but yeah it's it's definitely for me the weakest of those that first one of Dark Castle remakes and we're going to get into House of Wax in a future episode when we look at remakes of slasher movies and uh, gorier movies because we thought there's just too many and we're just going to stick to the haunted houses 
And Ghost Ship is a, is a haunted ship rather than a haunted house. But it's essentially the exact same thing. Yeah. There's all this sort of like blood and nudity you'd expect from a Dark Castle <laughs> horror movie where there's just sort of like, oh, there's a naked woman wandering around. That's... To, to seduce, like, I think it's Isaiah Washington. He's like, oh, yeah, I love my wife. And it's like, okay, so let's have him, like, follow a naked Italian woman around for most of the film. Oh, that is actually something I just remembered that I hadn't remembered about um, House on Haunted Hill was that it's it's got lots of just random casual homophobia and casual, like, sexism and casual racism just dropped in. Like, um, Famke Janssen just kind of is just throwing these words about. And, and that, was, that was something where I was like, oh, oh. I don't remember that. I mean, I guess maybe I didn't notice because mm. I was like a horrible teenager and it was the 90s. But yeah, you're just, watching it now, you're like, oh dear. <laughs> yeah. I think there's less of it in 13 Ghosts. I think, oh yeah, House on Haunted Hill, I think yeah, I had the same reaction. I was like, I guess you're supposed to hate her anyway, but it does feel a bit like you didn't exactly, need this yeah. to do that. She's pretty bad. She's, <laughs> she's, trying, to, she's trying to murder her <laughs> husband. It's like, still like, pretty yeah. unpleasant. But yeah, I think and Ghost Ship was going from that was going to quickly touch on another terrible haunted remake with The Fog, which came out in 2005 uh, and is not Dark Castle. Yeah. But it feels like it could have been, but there's no, there aren't any good sets in The Fog. And the reason why we're going to talk about it so quickly is because it's just really unremarkable. I think the most remarkable thing is watching it, I was reminded of like, all the stories about how John Carpenter had to reshoot so much of The Fog because it wasn't working. Mm. Like it just wasn't scary. So he added all the scary stuff in reshoots and I think lots of the fog stuff and the gore. And you watch the fog, it's like, oh yeah, if you take out all the stuff that's well done, like that works in the fog, and just have someone who doesn't really know how to make it scary, there's, there's not very much to it. And if you can't make the fog scary, then there's really nothing there. And it's, or it's really boring. The characters are nothing. There's a, they've messed with, um, Maggie Grace's character has some daft subplot where she ends up being the kind of Bram Stoker's Dracula-esque kind of resurrection of the ghost's wife. That's the main thing I remember about this, is noticing that she had these very elaborate, like, lacy sleeves in an early scene and thinking, what the fuck is she wearing? And then later they're plot relevant! And I was like, wow, I can't believe that the sleeves were relevant. Uh, There's one thing I liked about it was there's excellent use of, yeah, Fallout Boy's uh, Sugar We're Going Down uh, is a good needle drop after a boat sinks at the right (laughs) of the start. Like people get that, um, yeah. People get taken into the water, and then that then they drop. That that happens right at the start, and I was like, oh, is this actually more fun than I remember? I don't remember Fallout Boy being in this, but yeah, no, it's so much. It's exactly as bad as I remembered it being. All the acting's terrible. There's just all the bits that are supposed to be scary are laughable. Like people just get kind of pulled into the fog or get like contaminated by it. Like someone just gets turned into a skeleton by touching something in the garbage disposal. Someone wanders out to sea. It's awful. It's really bad. I don't really know how it is so bad but it's uh yeah it's bad i I, I just kind of kept zoning out and i was like no i'm I'm watching this for a podcast and i just kept finding my attention kind of drawn out the window yeah (laughs) oh yeah there's a film on that i'm supposed to be watching uh but that one i went to see at the cinema and remembered hating it at the time and at that point i hadn't even seen the original so i didn't have the sort of righteous indignation no it was just (laughs) it was just bad it was just yeah it just wasn't good so finally then the, the possibly the ultimate haunted house uh, remake is the Amityville Horror, which was same year as the Fog, I think it was two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, it's not Dark Castle, though it feels like it, it could have been maybe. I mean, I almost feel like I could just repeat 
or just copy and paste exactly what we've just said about so many of these other <laughs> things in that it goes much bigger much glossier you've got recognizable um actors you've got ryan reynolds you've got melissa george uh, you've got chloe gross moretz um maybe not recognizable then but now uh, <laughs> and and it's just it goes far more full-on than the original it just goes all in on like ghosts in elaborate makeup and looking much more gory and rotted and horrible and relies on that to scare you more than anything else really and there are nice bits in it almost but again it's like the bits that they've taken from the original are the scary bits Mm. and everything else they've put in new is just terrible they just like they rattle through it so quickly i think Mm. because i i'm not a massive fan of the original i i find it quite slight (laughs) so i think for that i quite appreciate the remake where it just it's the exact same story but at double time so the Amsville Horror the original one I've seen it so many times and I always used to think yeah it's quite boring I don't really get it I think it was only that I was um, having an absolute year of hell with moving house I moved house like multiple times in a year and one of the houses we moved into was absolute proper hell house it was um, it was kind of dripping walls and grotesque awfulness and all of our things getting contaminated although with mould rather than ghosts but I think watching the film then it kind of like hit me in a different way it was like you know you've bought this house that is kind of beyond your means but it's so amazing like that house is incredible in both versions Mm. and in the original one a lot of the things that happen quite early on are are quite small inconveniences really it's like oh the window fell down and caught your fingers oh well um you know that could happen (laughs) or there are some flies and you're like well (laughs) could happen like it's not obvious it it sort of feels like yeah you could just fix that you don't need to move immediately (laughs) it's it only kind of escalates and escalates to the point where you're like you've got so much invested in this already at what point do you give up Whereas in the remake, it's like within a day of them moving in or something, there's suddenly like a hideous, deformed yeah. ghost. Yeah, it goes quick. I mean, they, they do have the conversation that's like, all of our money is in this house, we can't really do anything about it. And the thing that I think worked sort of in the remake, um, I will give them this, is that when you first meet... I can't remember what his name is. God, I watched it the other day, but is it, is it George? You yeah, meet George Ryan Reynolds. Has. Yeah, um, when you meet him, he's so nice. Like, they really, really pour it on. Like, he's so nice. Uh, and then obviously once he moves into the house and starts to become possessed by this Ketchum, uh, he, he's really horrible. But the the contrast is really striking and Melissa George doesn't really sell it because I think she's a bad actress and she's probably never been in a good film. But um, but there is there are moments where you think, yeah, like she's really fucked here. Like this is the man that she she loves um, and we see why she loves him because yeah. when he's out of the house, he's amazing. Um, but in the house, he's become this violent, disturbed terrifying person who's just not the same person anymore um and that kind of feels like a much more real and terrifying fear than there's a little ghost girl (laughs) she's gonna stick my finger in her head what (laughs) i'd completely forgotten about that until i watched it again recently and i was like that's way more dark castle than i think there's a lot of dark castle in it actually but yeah I, i think ryan reynolds is really fantastic in it it's such a good performance and it's a shame that it's in such a kind of forgettable film. Yeah. Every now and again there seems to be like a wave of, oh yeah, Ryan Reynolds is great and like Amityville <laughs> never comes up, I think just because no one really remembers that it happened. No, he did get extremely buff for it though. There's there's, there's did, yeah. moments where you're like, this is not period appropriate. Like this is supposed to be the 70s and you're so he's shiny. Yeah. <laughs> he's shredded but he's just completely hairless and, and, and shiny and you're like, 
What? It's because it's what, so hot. It's, it's, it needs to be shirtless a lot of the time, and he's in a lot of pajama bottoms. There's a lot, a lot of walk, like yeah. wandering to the boathouse and back at night in like a, yes. in a huff. And he's yeah, because it's so hot, so he's just sweaty and shirtless and jacked. <laughs> just, the the other thing I think actually that marks out a lot of these remakes from the originals is like there's this extra mean streak that runs through them where mm. like in the original Amityville they go back and save the dog before they leave and and you're always a little bit like really is that what you do although again now I've got a pet I'm like yes I would I would go back for my cat <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas in the in the remake like he chops up their dog like, yeah he does is, that wasn't necessary. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like proper mean to the um, the kid as well. I know it's like maybe it's not really the same level horrible. as murdering a dog. <laughs> no, but it's child abuse. It's really horrible. Yeah. Like a lot of the things. Like, hey, it, I don't know. It's just spiteful. I don't know whether that's an escalate. Like obviously there are horror movies from the seventies and eighties that are nasty and where children and animals get got. But it does feel like um, there's a bit of a swerve as we go from the very turn of the millennium to sort of the middle of it and I guess by 2005 we're about to be entering the sort of torture porn era or we already are because Saw's 2004 I think yeah yeah I guess yeah because this is um Platinum Dunes' second remake the Michael Bay's production company that was set up to be yeah like a horror movie show and the, their first was Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake which is extremely nasty and definitely I think kind of foreshadows a lot of the nasty horror movies like Saw and stuff like that there's a lot of basement horrible gore stuff and torture uh, maybe not as much as kind of on screen as you remember but Amityville feels definitely less savage than that but yeah it's a lot bloodier than I remembered and yeah things like the ghost making you put a finger in a skull and all of that there's, yeah there's a lot more blood and it really also really struck me that it feels a lot like Sinister the yeah Scott Derrickson movie a lot of stuff in there I was like oh wait this this yeah there's, it, there's a lot of kind of Ryan Reynolds finding a hidden room with is are there, are there even home movies? That you there are home movies, and I think there yeah. is a sort of a flicker of a ghosty face in the home movies. So yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I did think kind of there there is a inherent scariness to these old movies that you have to watch on a projector, and so they're a bit flickery. Yeah. Like I think that comes up in It as well, doesn't it? Where the clown like turns his head into the oh, bleh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there is something inherently scary about that. But um, just to go back to something you were saying about Platinum Dunes, um, do you think there's something in the fact that all these big companies so whether it's Dark Castle or the like Steven Spielberg one like they're all set up by people who are really well established and big names Mm. and I don't know whether there's something in that about how it's almost like a too big to fail thing so they're just throwing money at these movies that aren't good and and then they're not they're not taking chances and a lot of the horror movies that are successful in, in this entire decade and possibly ever tend to be like kind of little scrappy things that come out of nowhere hmm. um, by someone you've never heard of. Whereas whatever these big names are doing is just not interesting at all. I think that's really interesting. I think it's definitely like all these films that are made by yeah Dark Castle and Platinum Dunes and yeah I would probably exclude Ghost House and Sam Raimi's one because obviously Sam Raimi's a horror guy but uh, yeah Amblin definitely mm. like you'd, you'd never catch these the, the directors who founded them making these mm. movies you'd never yeah Robert Zemeckis wouldn't make The House on Haunted Hill like it's the way it was produced yeah so it does feel like there's a maybe like a slightly guilty pleasure element of like oh yeah like <laughs> I like horror movies but also like horror movies make yeah. money like, yeah we'll yeah yeah that up. might be the thing is um, that the root of all this is let's make money yeah and the Platinum Dunes movies are pretty cheap but they're not sort of Blumhouse cheap I think Text Chainsaw Massacre remake had a budget of under mm. 10 um, and I think that kind of stuck for a lot of their movies 
But yeah, they, they kind of constantly, they're like finding directors. I think, like, yeah, like William Malone had been around for a lot longer, but um, Steve Beck hadn't. Yeah, a lot of these movies have directors who had, hadn't had made features or had made like one or two. And not many really break out. If they, the people who do remakes don't tend to break out as mm. like major talents in the era, apart from people like Alexander Raja who'd already made one really good movie and weren't kind of... Something like Wes Craven's production company felt different in that it was like specifically to remake his movies yeah. like I don't really like this one I sort of want to put like a, an exclamation mark over where you just said uh, Alexander Raja had made a good movie um, and and disagree with that as a, as a note to come back <laughs> okay, to later okay we can agree on Alexander Raja had made a very splashy movie that had got very good reviews he had made a movie um <laughs> But I guess I guess the other reason that a lot of these things don't succeed is by their very nature, like remakes are derivative and they're not that exciting. And so I guess that's why we're throwing in all these splashy effects and the, the big Hollywood names to try and drum up some excitement. And, you know, I think the theory is that they're trading on uh, established properties and that they're recognisable names. But I don't actually know how well known like House on Haunted Hill was in 1999. Like most of the audience wouldn't have known anything about it. I think that's one of the reasons why I I've got a soft spot for the Dark Horse remakes for many reasons, but one of the one of the big ones is that whenever you think about it as like a, a concept for like a successful production company, like they don't they shouldn't make sense. Like Platinum Dunes being set up to remake Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Amityville Horror, like obviously that makes business sense. Mm. You can do it cheap and everyone's heard of them. Dark Castle spending like forty million dollars on thirteen ghosts. There's no real, like, <laughs> there's no, like, blunt, like, kind of cold, hard business sense behind that, apart from, I guess, just, yeah. you know, we've got a splashy concept and big sets. But, there's, yeah, it seems, I think because now like, a lot of the big studio horror movies, and, like, there are obviously more of them now, but they still seem very much set up on, you either do it very cheap or you have it, mm. like, a Stephen King adaptation or James Wan Presents. And, yeah, those, go, those Dark Castle movies feel kind of wildly confident in terms of yeah. oh yeah this is a good yeah. idea like people will come see this they remember <laughs> Vincent Price don't but they? I think your horror audience like a, a large part of it is always going to be teenagers and just by and, and I'm not saying that teenagers mm. are ignorant but I'm saying that te- teenagers haven't been alive very long and therefore probably haven't had time to catch up on all the movies that exist ever <laughs> so <laughs> that's true yeah like, I'm, I think I was aware that those films were remakes at the time like I um but probably just because I'd read a review and then said 13 Ghosts to remake a William Castle movie. I was like, oh, yes, of course. William <laughs> of Castle. course, William Castle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, and now it's just kind of... Yeah, I think one th- what we'll probably see when we talk about the other remakes of this era, the ones that are more slashery, is that from about 2004 onwards, there's just a real push to get everything remade. Mm. And if it's got a name that you recognise... And there's not really a pattern to it either. Like it's not like limited to one genre. I think. Like, I think. I guess the fog falls into it, but you start with like prom night and stuff, and my bloody Valentine, and yeah, kind of all those movies. They just feel like just someone leafing through like their old VHS collection is putting something out. It's like remake. Yeah, Piranha. Piranha. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm reminded of that scene in uh, Scream Four where she, where she's just reeling oh, off yeah. all the remakes. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that yeah that, that that is just the contradiction of that time is that we are in the point where that we're both looking back and looking forward and maybe looking back was a bad idea and <laughs> <laughs> like in conclusion <laughs> banking on nostalgia for these old films was probably not the greatest idea or, or, or I mean actually not even that because a lot most of these films are profitable but like yeah just refusing to come up with your own idea mm. I guess is um 
as a problem because even when the director has like a take on these old movies like it's usually a bad one and a silly thing to do <laughs> and everything that they try to do that's different <laughs> fails your idea is bad you should not have used this idea <laughs> well the thing is again i guess it's also it's not a new thing in that like you know in the 80s when we had like the fly or the thing mm. like we've done that thing of looking back and and and, and making something good out of something I don't know. I was going to say the difference is you're not remaking something. You're remaking something that was already good. So by definition, you're probably going to make something worse. But I, 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 I like the original Fly. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Too. I don't know what the trick is. I just think it just didn't. It just it didn't make for very memorable uh, movies, or didn't make for like it didn't feel like it was forging ahead. Like we're saying, like a lot of the old big horror franchises of the seventies, eighties had come to an end and these movies weren't creating anything new that we were going to take forward I guess like going back to The Fly and The Thing yeah both of those were obviously remade by very established directors who had a yeah. very good track record and yeah like we said like these remakes not so much like Yander Bond obviously had made very successful movies but none of them were horror movies I think it worked on a couple as a cinematographer he obviously had like yeah very storied impressive CV as a, as a director of photography before he directed mm. Speed but um which is obviously a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it'll be interesting as well. We've mentioned the looking ahead to the slasher remakes, but also I guess the whole thing about looking back, because we will be looking at uh, J-horror remakes and remakes of Asian horror movies, and that's there's, that's really... I, I find that area interesting because there's so, the demands are different where you're adapting a mood as much as anything else mm. like with a lot of those movies. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to see which ones work and which ones don't, because a couple of them I think hold up pretty well and will be interesting to talk about, and some of them really fail. But you can't get away with the same kind of flashy editing as you can with these uh, William Castle. You really can't, and there definitely are some tropes that come up in Asian horror remakes that just show, I think, that people just misunderstand what it is that people are scared of or what what makes something succeed. Um, And just having... Mm a sort of contortionist style crab walky thing is not the thing that's not it that's not what it was but yeah there's a lot yeah I just want to take like about a month off of doing anything else and watch a load of movies <laughs> well yeah we do have an awful lot to get through um we have a lot to get through do we know what we're doing next time uh no I don't think we've started actually <laughs> okay we, do you do you have a preference I don't I think let's uh yeah let's have a think about it I I'm I sort of want to do Blair Witch Project, but, um, you know, we'll see. <laughs> I don't want to promise anything. Anything I say now cannot be used against me. <laughs> I guess, yeah, we've got options. We've got everything from the J-Horror remakes to the, yeah, Texas Chainsaw, uh, House of Wax, Slasher movie remakes, and, yeah, lots of things, I think. Um, and, then, and then, yeah, to original stuff as well. Yeah, zombies, yeah. zombie remakes. But also, yeah, but also all the, all the stuff that did start to become new, obviously much anticipated Saw episode <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly Saw it's back back uh, yeah the indie movies that come out this time because yeah May was one of my favourite movies from this time period uh, pops up yeah probably in a decade I think that's it for remakes of uh, spooky ghost stories for this podcast if you are listening maybe tweet us and tell us what your favourite haunted house movie is tell us your theories on why these movies aren't very good <laughs> <laughs> just, just talk to us really we'd like to just have a chat about film yeah, absolutely. Been a lonely year. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on that note, um, you will find me on Twitter as at Sarah Dobbs. Oh, yeah, I'm at Jonathan Hatful. And uh, we'll speak to you next yeah, time. Thanks.